0: Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. Wow, I feel like I haven't stopped saying wow since I came in. This has been such an amazing and exciting time to be with you guys, I mean just, you guys are in a mall, that's amazing. I mean, what a great way to insert yourself into the marketplace. I mean, at a time when the church is tempted to run from significant places like this, you're choosing to be here. And I cannot stop but, but, but say I'm, I'm filled with hope this morning. There are people of God who have camped themselves out here in this particular place to help people around us know Jesus. What an amazing thing. So I say thank you for choosing to be here. Thank you for for letting me come along for the ride for just a few moments this morning. Thank you, Pastor Dave, for letting me come by, and I love you, man. Thank you for being who you are, for making this space, for continuing to lead this family. I mean, it's a gift to you, but it's also energizing for us to stay in the fight, and so thank you so much. Let's get right to it, folks. We've got a few minutes that we want to spend together, and that being said, I don't want to waste any time. If you're taking notes, the title of my message today is Unshakable. And as I was getting ready, there was a story from my childhood that came to mind, so hopefully it'll help us get an idea of where we're going. There was a time when I was a kid, and the, the ride home from the school bus was kind of a dangerous place because that's where some of my best ideas were crafted. and so my worst ideas were crafted. So on the ride home one day, coming back from school, I looked at my friends and said, Guys, you know what we should do? Let's build a ramp behind the house, and we can see if someone can go down the ramp fast enough and jump over the creek in in our neighbor uh, Chris's backyard. Now, at 10 years old, we weren't really thinking wisely. We weren't thinking about safety. We weren't thinking about permits or hiring an inspector. We just wanted to see what we could do. So we found every ugly piece of wood that we could find, and we built this ramp. Now, Wisdom would have looked at that moment and said, let's pick a non-living option to test this thing on. Let's beta test on maybe." but we had my friend's brother, Kyle. (laughs) And Kyle would do anything. So we hyped him up. We put him on the nicest bike we had. We marched him all the way. We had a special chant. Let's go, Kyle. Let's get wild. It was great. (laughs) And so you see Kyle's energized. He's ready to go. You can see him coming up this ramp with all the speed. that he 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 believed in his heart he was going to make it that day, and he was going to be a legend. So I could see Kyle coming down the hill with speed and authority through the gate. And the second his tire hit that ramp, we could see things were not going to go great. (laughs) The moment that his tire hit the front, that that thing blew up into a million pieces. The bike went this way. Kyle's body went this way. I thought to myself, guys, we did it. We killed Kyle. (laughs) There's There's no coming back from this. We're done. This is it, man. Luckily, Kyle survived. He did not make it over the creek, but we were banned from making ramps for two whole years after that. But in the aftermath, or in this moment, we're beginning to clean up the mess that we had made, and I realized something a lesson I learned that day that I think applies to a lot of life, that in our haste, we had built our ramp using rotten wood. And as a result, the second that it began, uh, began to become strained, it fell apart. I, think I learned a lesson that day that if you don't take the time to build something right, if you don't take the time to use quality materials, then surely the moment that it begins to get strained, it falls apart. The same thing is true when it comes to our spiritual life and our understanding of Jesus, that if we don't take the time that it deserves, if we don't build it with the quality materials that it deserves, at the moment strain enters our lives, our spiritual worlds begin to fall apart. I can almost guarantee you if that's the way that we build our lives, when the storms come, your life is going to be shaken a bit. And so it's important for us to just spend a few moments today and get a firm grasp on the most unshakable thing that exists in this universe, and that's Jesus. See, the Christian life is not a series of beliefs to believe in and not to believe in. It's following a king in learning to live into his kingdom, which is the most unshakable, great, firm thing we can ever put our hope in. Maybe for some of you here, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know about you, but these last two years have been pretty shaky. For some of us in, in, in the, the recent history, uh, you've been shaken up because a relationship has fallen apart and you're trying to figure out, what do I do now with my life that this thing isn't there anymore? Some of us, a health diagnosis has come into the picture and you're trying to reconfigure, how do I live my life according to this thing? I don't know if I'm ever going to make it, if this is how my life is going to be forever and ever and ever. And here's the exciting thing that I want to hope to help us see this morning, that Jesus knew that life would be shaky. And he knew the damaging effect that a shaky life could have on our spiritual life and so he gives us insight and he gives us wisdom as to how to survive. Jesus planned for us in these types of moments that we find ourselves in. So this moment, Let's go before him. Let's trust that somehow in this conversation we're gonna have this morning that Jesus will make himself known and maybe we'll leave here just a little bit less shaky than when we entered because we came in contact with a real Jesus Christ who has power and authority and wisdom and wants the best thing for us. So would you join me in prayer for just a moment? Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you that you're the kind of God who can account for our weakness and help us overcome it. God, thank you that you're the kind of God who reaches out to where we are now and helps us get to where we need to go. Jesus, thank you. You could have sat in the the beauties of heaven, but you came down to where we are to help us navigate these things. Lord, thank you that God, just one second in your presence can transform a lifetime. So, Lord, we want nothing else than that. Lord, not funny stories, not clever insight. God, we just want a moment with you. And so, Lord, we give ourselves to you, this sacrifice of our lives, saying, Lord, penetrate us deep to the the deepest parts of who we are so we can know you better, God. And so we give ourselves to you. Lord, make me small so you can just continue to be as big as you are. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to Luke Chapter 6, if not, don't worry, it's going to be on the screen. But the text we're looking at this morning comes from a biography written about Jesus by a close friend named Luke. And let me set a little bit of the scene. He he resourced and interviewed a bunch of people who were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life. And he takes account of the things that Jesus did and the kind of things that Jesus said. And we're going to look at one of those things that Luke records this morning. Let me set the scene. Jesus comes off the mountaintop with his friends. And when he comes down, he's met by a large crowd and he begins to describe for this crowd what is it like to follow Jesus and what the kingdom of God looks like. And he would say these amazing things that we all love. Say things like, blessed are the poor for yours is the kingdom of God and blessed are you who hunger now for you'll be satisfied. I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, that's when you do the altar call. That's when you bring people in. That's everyone shouting, amen. That sounds great. I'm poor, I'm hungry, let's go But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, this is how He closes that sermon, and this is what he says. He says, "Why do you call me "Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom He's like. He is like the man who building a house who dug a deep, dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. and when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. It's a pretty simple word picture story. Two guys build houses, one on the solid foundation, one on the weak foundation. And when the inevitable storm of life comes, the storm took out the guy with the weak foundation and the solid one still stood. It's great, but I think when you begin to read between the lines, maybe put the story backwards, you realize Jesus is also making an observation about life. says that there is a way to live an unshakable life. That there is a way to exist in this world full of shakiness and craziness and wild things that go here and there and to be unshakable. That maybe there's a way to live in your relationship with Jesus that does not have to start back at square one every single time a problem arises. That following Jesus, taking his commandments seriously and truly, bring us to a place where we can have a firm foundation and live unshakable in the middle of shaky times. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that for my life. I want that for my kids' lives. I want that for my family and my friends. I want to know the unshakable life. So today, I'm going to give you four guesses at what I think may be steps to helping us live unshakable lives in shaky times. And the first is this, is you've got to listen and act. Jesus describes the wise builder as the one who heard his words and acted upon them. means if you want to have unshakable faith, you first got to position yourself in a place where you can hear God's instruction. Let me give you an example. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You ever try and call for your kid's attention from another room? My house, I call for my daughter, Brielle, and what does she do? Instead of wisely walking over to daddy and finding out what do I need to say, she responds with, you know what I'm talking about, what? And so we go back and forth, Brielle, what? What? Finally, one of us gets the, enough urge. Like, right, we walk over to the room and she like, oh, that's what you wanted this whole time. No blood pressure rising to anybody else but me. Is it just, okay, I feel that. But this aha moment comes when we finally position ourselves to be closer to the voice that we need to be hearing. It wasn't until I moved closer to her voice or she moved closer to my voice that I could hear with clarity the thing that she needed in that moment. For some of us, I think that's maybe where we need to start the conversation today. For some of us, we're not even in the same room as Jesus anymore. And maybe the noise of Facebook or your favorite news outlet or TikTok or Instagram, the volume on that has become so loud that it's been really hard to hear Jesus lately. If That sounds like you, it feels like it's been a while since you've heard the voice of Jesus. I encourage you, would you take a moment and check your spiritual location today? What adjustments could, could happen in your life today? What things could you make in this moment that would increase your chances of hearing Jesus a little bit more clearly? And maybe the question today is, what are the voices that need to be turned down a bit in my life so I can hear the voice of God with a little bit more clarity? God is continually speaking to us. The, the question is, are we listening? We get to these shaky moments of life, and it's kind of crazy that shaky moments often, ask a, often create us moments to ask really hard questions. This post-two years, this post-pandemic life, I've been having some really intense conversations with people. People wondering deep things like, hey, what happens when I die, actually? it's not about you, there's been a lot of death around me, and I'm really starting to ask the hard question, what does that mean for my world right now? What does it actually mean to be a good person? What is, what is the, fur- the purpose and function of all these things I'm experiencing? If that's you, or if someone else is around you, and they're asking these deep questions boy, is that a moment to turn up the volume on Jesus and turn the volume on something else down? I mean, someone is already beginning to ask the question. Someone is looking for something. And maybe you're just one conversation away from hearing Jesus and learning how to act on his word just like the wise builder. If we want the unshakable life, the first and easiest step is to put ourselves on a collision course with God where we can hear him and act accordingly. But here's a little bit of a disturbing reality. Shaky faith usually isn't the result of poor listening. It's a result of poor obedience. See, both people mentioned in the parable had access to Jesus' word. They could both listen, but only one chose to act on it. You see, I think it's possible for us in kind of the Christian world and to, follow, to confuse knowledge about Jesus with obedience to Jesus. Those are two different things. You can come to church, have all the Bible answers locked and loaded. You can do all the right things and seem like the right kind of person. You can even hear from God in prayer in his word. But if we fail to apply it, if we fail to act on it, then our spiritual home is bound to collapse, just like we find in the text. See, Jesus didn't invite us to know his teachings. He invited us to live the way that he lives, to be a member of the kingdom of God, to be someone who sees that as the ultimate authority and the truth. You see, when you do that, you begin to live a life that is unshakable. Why? Because it means the teachings of Jesus have moved from your head into your heart and into your hands and your feet, and you begin living and acting like Jesus in the world around you. If that sounds like you today, maybe you know a lot about Jesus, but your life, if you were to stop and take an inventory and look at your last week at the time, would, would your time really be spent like Jesus? I encourage you, pick one thing and try it for 10 days. Listen to one idea that God has generated, and try accomplishing it, acting it in your life for ten days. Jesus talked about radical generosity. Would you try and be radically generous for ten days, and see if Jesus doesn't shape you in the process? See if trying that one thing, and then as you continue to do that, move it to different aspects of what Jesus invites to be the radically forgiving type of person. Be a sacrifice, and see if after ten days of trying these things, Jesus doesn't move in your life. Jesus invites us not just to listen to His word, but to act on it. As well. Second thing that we learn from this story is you've got to dig deep. I don't know about you, I'm fully capable of doing something with half the amount of attention it deserves. For example, the first time I tried that whole pick one thing and try it, I said, Lord, I'm gonna pray for my enemies. That prayer sounded like this: Lord, bless Tommy. May his pants catch on fire while he sleeps may he trip and fall down an escalator and just keep falling and falling and falling. I knew what God had called me to do. I just didn't want to do it well. I think I was afraid that in my prayers, God would actually bless Tommy. It's kind of the last thing I really wanted. I was afraid that in my prayer, in seeing God bless Tommy, that that my heart would change towards him. I think I began realizing myself that I love my anger more than I love Jesus' forgiveness. And as a result of loving that anger, I closed off this whole part of who I was to Jesus because I didn't want him to have access to dig deep in this part of my life. When I started to think about it really deeply, I thought about this. Maybe I just wanted God to transform the flashy parts of who I was. Yeah, God, make me a better preacher. God, make me a better leader. God, make me these better things that all, but this part that's deep inside me that no one else will ever see for a million years, don't let anybody touch that God. And as a result, I gave God access to 80% of who I was while 20 of it was still controlled by Andrew Cologne. You see, the wise builder knew that surface level commitment does not produce long-lasting transformation. The wise builder knew that if he was going to stay here beyond anybody else, that meant doing important and unseen work that no one else was going to ever see for decades to come. If we want to have an unshakable life, it means digging deep and giving God access to the deepest parts of who we are.
1: For some of us, it means
0: asking some really, really, really hard questions today. God, do I actually believe you're going to take care of me and my family? Or am I trusting in my own ability to do so? God, what are the things I worship more than you? What are the things that take my heart and my attention? What's the first thing that gets my awareness in the morning? God, what's that sin I've been holding on to that no one else knows about that that I've held down to and no, I haven't given you access to it yet? God, what are those things that are in my life? See, I think for some of us, that's a really scary thing because for some of us, I think we maybe have gotten so comfortable hiding that part from God, we think we finally tricked him, that he's finally forgotten about that part of who we are that if we just never bring it up in prayer, it's never going to come. Can I I give you an encouraging word this morning? That part of you that you're afraid of giving God access to, he has the best plan for That anything you can dream about being free from that, God's freedom is going to be 110 times bigger than what you can even imagine. So won't you just give God access? Won't you let him dig deep into that part of who you are and see that God can transform you 110% versus your little 25% that you're giving him access to? If you want to experience Jesus in an amazing way, trust that part of who you are to him. There's no darkness that's too dark. There's no brokenness that's too broken. God can heal and restore everything. So won't you give him access to that? If you want unshakable faith, it means giving God access to the deepest part of who you are. Which leads us to our third point. We've got to learn to expect the storm. One of the wild things that I kind of don't like about this passage I know that sounds weird for a pastor, I don't like that, Jesus. You should have said it differently. <laughs> is that both the wise builder and the foolish builder both experience a storm? I think we've got this weird expectation that sometimes if we do things Jesus' way, we're never going to experience storms. I hate to be the bearer of bad news for somebody this morning. The Christian life is not stormless, but it is storm proof. People who expect life to be stormless don't have a really good idea of what sin really is. In the world. They don't have a good strategy for living. Sin is more than just the bad decisions we make. It's a disease that's infected the fabric of reality. Storms, things, bad things, happen. they're, they're not just an object of people's bad decision making. It's sin that's in the fabric of existence. And so we need to build a spiritual life that expects sin but is already trusting in its defeat already. You see, the wise builder knew, hey, one day there's going to be a bad day coming. And so when things seem bad on the surface, there's got to be something deeper, something below the surface that anchors me to the ground when nothing else seems right. You know what's pretty crazy? The first thing that flies off of my house when the storms come are the decorations. They're the things that are meant to make the house look pretty on the outside, but when the winds and the rain picks up, they're the first thing to come off. Listen, you may not look pretty on the day that your storm comes, but if your foundation is deep, you will still be standing because God is in you and with you. Decorations, they can be replaced. Bad foundations have to be rebuilt. I don't know about you, I want a storm-proof foundation that stands the test of time when bad things come. I don't want to have to start from square one. Every single time I start, my, every time a bad thing happens, I don't have to start with square one of my relationship with Jesus all over again. Here's the crazy thing there's a chance that storms actually make you, make you stronger. Okay, follow me here. The other day, I was listening to a podcast on concrete. I know what you're thinking. What type of nerd spends his days listening to podcasts on concrete? Got one more in the back. Turns out, in 79 A.D., which is pretty close to the time of Jesus, there was this guy named Pliny the Elder. What a name. If anyone's having babies around, that's a name still available. It looks really great. But Pliny made this observation about Roman concrete. He says that uh, as soon as it comes in contact with the waves of the sea and is submerged, it becomes a single stone mass and every day stronger. Certain in the history books. Turns out, As they researched the concrete that would have been around in Jesus' time, Pliny was right. That the minerals in Roman concrete actually became stronger when the waves of the sea, when the storm surge would come into town and hit the concrete and make it... It's actually twice as strong as the concrete that we use today. What if the storm you're experiencing today is not destroying your house? What if it's cleaning it and making it stronger? If that's the case, don't look for a life that's absent of storms. Look for the strength that's coming hidden in the shape of a storm. Storms, that's a natural part of life, but storm-proof, unshakable faith is made by a daily decision to follow Jesus. So I encourage you today, life is coming. Storms are coming your way, but if we dig deep, we can live a life that that, uh, glorifies Jesus in the process in an amazing and awesome way. It brings me to my last point here is when the storms come, I encourage you to stand firm. Let me show you why. Both builders in the story, their their stories end with amazement. If you've ever watched the Weather Channel, they have these weird shows that after like a tornado comes in, they bring in a camera crew, which is kind of weird. Let's all watch these people's destruction happen. This is great. Great TV. But you'll notice in all the weird shows that they have, all the storm, the destruction is shown. there's always that one random stinking house that's standing up that somehow survived. Tornado decimates everything and there's Billy Bob Shack just hanging out with no problem. It's an unbelievable thing. We just can't help but notice. But check this out. Everyone in the show is asking the same question. How did that house survive? Which makes me think about something. When the storms of life come, people notice what's still standing amidst the rubble. When the storms of life descend on you, unshakable faith is attractive in a world full of everything else that's shaken. The fact that you're still standing is a testimony of the foundation that you laid. It's a testimony to the kind of Jesus that you've modeled your life upon. And it's attractive to a world that says, I've got no hope. Nothing is going right. And so when they see you standing firm in the middle of the wildest things, it says there must be something deeper. So I say that to say, don't just build your foundation for you. Build it for the people around you who are going to witness you. I always wonder, what do you think the guy did with the bad foundation after his house was destroyed? I'd imagine after a couple of days of being sad, he knocked on the door of the wise builder's house. said, hey, can I stay a while? I'd imagine after 101 dinner conversations, he'd ask the question, hey, what did you do differently than I did? And in doing so, he learned what it was to build a strong foundation. He learned what it was to value the things that no one else could see, and in so then eventually built his own strong foundation. I bet you he never, ever, ever built a bad foundation after that first one ever again. See, when you build your foundation deep, you become a pillar for others to lean on when things don't go their way. Give an example of this. My, My parents are amazing people. I always joked that our house should have had a revolving door around it because every single day growing up, I never knew who was going to be in our house, but I could always guarantee someone was going to be sitting at our table. And I thought at first it was because my mom's cooking is unbelievably great. But it turns out, as the years went by and I saw the things that happened at that dinner table, I began to realize something. That people gravitated towards my parents' stability. See, my parents... Had spent time and energy digging a deep foundation, and instead of sealing it off, they put a door on it. And they let people in. Said, hey, come in and rest, come in and find health, come in and find wholeness, come in and be in a little place of stability in the middle of the wild things going on in your world. Can I tell you, at my dinner table growing up as a kid, my parents weren't ministers or anything, my dad was an accountant, but I saw people's marriages get restored. I saw people get healed. I saw people who were working through addictions be freed from addictions at our dinner table. Why? Because we opened our deep foundation for somebody else to come inside. Our foundation matters. Someone else's spiritual life may depend on you digging a deep foundation as well. Parents, the way you dig your foundation will help your children weather the storms in their life that they're going to go through one day. Students, the way that you build your foundation may affect the way classmates around you get to know Jesus in a deep and real way. Friends, nieces, nephews, co-workers, people around you are going to learn about Jesus not through a sermon from a cool preacher, but they're going to learn it from the way you build your foundation in the world around you. So that being said, would we dig deep, not just for us, but for the folks that God has entrusted our way? for the folks that are close by, for the folks who may never come in through the doors of a church but may walk through the doors of your house and see Jesus on every dinner table and in every interaction with our children and things like that. So as we get ready to close here, and Scott, feel free to come on up if you're, wow, like magic, wow. (laughs) By way of reminder, If you want unshakable faith, we've got to listen and act. We've got to dig deep. We've got to expect the storm and we've got to stand firm. But I also want to acknowledge that maybe you're here today and your spiritual house is already torn up. That maybe you're, you're tuning in right now and you're realizing the events of these past two years have made believing in Jesus really difficult because of the circumstances around me. I want to invite you today to build your life On the solid foundation of Jesus, he won't fail you. He loves you beyond your present brokenness. He wants to be with you where you are, even if you don't want to be where you are right now. If that's you, please do not let this day pass you by without initiating a conversation with Pastor Dave or somebody or spending some time in the presence of God and saying, Lord, I need to build my foundation upon you again. God, I've let the noise of so many other things cloud my ability to hear you. God, I want to give myself back to you 110% that I encourage you today. at some point in this conversation, spend a moment with Jesus, spend a moment in prayer and hear him because I promise you, he wants better future for you than you want for yourself. He wants more stability for you than you desperately want it for yourself. He wants salvation and survival for you more than you want it in your present brokenness right now. So why don't you move his way? So, won't you take one step in his direction today? Won't you come to the place where he can come and heal you and make you new? Or maybe you're here today and you're realizing my foundation's got a couple cracks in it. It's been a rough two years, folks. I don't know about you, there's been some big and important questions being asked. And I've been tempted to fill those with answers from places that aren't helpful. But you remember today the solid foundation is found in Jesus and nothing else that he truly does know how the world works. He truly is the designer. He has the blueprint in hand and he offers it to us freely. So would you come as a sign of allegiance to him and say, God, I'm yours. God, my foundation is found in nothing else but you. So I'm gonna pray. Scott, you can sing. We can figure this thing out as we go. But I don't wanna leave today without giving us an opportunity to come before him, whether it be at the altar in your chair and take a few moments as Scott sings. Say, God, I'm all yours. God, I need you to shore up my foundation. This isn't working the way that I thought it would. God, would you come and be present with me now and help me and would you trust that in that movement, in that coming towards Jesus, he will meet you where you are. He knows just what you need better than you need it yourself. And he will come and show you. Jesus, we need you. God, thank you that you offer us stability and firmness and strength and power and glory, God. And so we we come to you as our source, trusting that you have everything we need and more. So for God, the ones of us who are right now in the middle of a present storm, would you meet us where we are? God, would this not just be a storm that that, uh, passes by without us thinking about our foundation? God, we give ourselves to you once again. So God, in this moment, as we commit ourselves to following you, as we commit ourselves to pure allegiance to the King, we trust you. As the rain lets up and the wind begins to cease, God, help us to see you with more clarity. But Lord, we don't want to go through this storm without you. God, we don't want to go through the storm without digging deep and laying the foundation that you call us to. So God, we just come. We ask that you'd minister to us. So God, we give ourselves to you. We love you. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.